You guys excited about that, that I'm here? No. Who cares? Behold our God, not our silly pastor. Uh, So the kids can, I think they all made it out, so the kids can be dismissed now, go downstairs and so this morning we're continuing our study uh, of our values, the Bridges Church values. What it, if you want to know about who Bridges is, this is, a, this is a good thing to look at. And remember, a value is what we believe to be important, uh, what we value, what our decisions are based on, what our actions flow from. Our values are things that we at Bridges believe to be uh, crucial, important, they are foundational. Last week we covered our first value, bringing glory to God. We focused on the truths that we were created to bring glory to God and that we bring glory to God through our words, what we say, through our, wor- through our words of how we communicate who God is, how we testify to how He's worked in our life, how we worship Him, and through our works, what we do, how we act like He has called us to act. And this week, we'll look at our second value. We value reliance on the Word of God. We value the Word of God Uh, And we rely on it to reveal God to us. Behold our God. We just sang that. How do we behold Him? Well, He is the invisible God. And we behold Him through His Word. We rely on the Word to reveal God to us. Through the Word, we see God's will, God's ways, God's purposes for our lives, for the world. We rely on it to guide us, to guide us specifically to salvation and to guide us in our relationship with God. In our statement of faith, uh, we say this about God's Word. We believe the Bible to be the inspired Word of God, inerrant in its original manuscripts. We're not going to talk about that. That's a little thing. And authoritative for daily living. The Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. Therefore, the Bible is the authority by which we live. Last week I said that our first and most important value is bringing glory to God, and that is certainly true. That's what we were created to do with our words, with our works. But we wouldn't understand this without the Word of God. In fact, we wouldn't understand or have any of our values without God's Word. As I hope we will see throughout this series, all of our values are derived from, they flow from, not the elders, not the congregation. They flow from God through His Word. Because God is infinite, And in His infinite wisdom, He's chosen to communicate with His people primarily through His written Word. God has chosen to give us this great gift, written by human authors, yet inspired by the Holy Spirit. As Paul wrote to Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out, comes from, is inspired by God. We have in our possession, I have in my possession, you guys... Probably, I, I don't know, I have a whole stack of these. Different versions in English. 
we have in our possession the very words of God. We have in our possession the truths that the creator of the universe has chosen to reveal to us. We have in our possession a book, really 66 books, that can only be understood by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit inspired the authors to write these books, and the Spirit will illuminate our minds and hearts that we might apply them and understand them. I'm not overstating it when I say that the Bible is not only the most valuable book ever written, but in fact, it is infinitely valuable because it's the words, the word of an infinite God, the infinite God. There is no question of its actual value. The question, however, is do we actually value it? Do we know in our heads, do we uh, feel in our hearts, do we show by our actions that we understand its true worth? It's easy enough to say, to write on a poster, to put in your, on your website that you value, that we value reliance on the Word of God. The question is, do our decisions reflect what we say our values are? If someone visits our church, would they, would they see that we love God's Word? Do we faithfully preach and teach it in our services, in our classrooms, in our small groups? As a church, are we guided by the Word in the decisions we make, the actions we take? And as individuals, do we read it? Do we study it? Do we seek to understand it? Do we memorize it? Do we meditate on it? And most importantly, do we obey it? Do we apply it to our lives? Do our lives, both corporately and individually, show that we understand the true value of God's Word? Do we really know just how much this book is worth? Some of you have heard this story, but it makes the point, so let me share it again. A number of years ago, during one of my treasure hunting trips to the swap meet, have you ever went for treasure hunting at the swap meet? I found a book at the bottom of a box, The Gunslinger by Stephen King. Never read it, no comment. It looked interesting, so I asked how much, and the seller said 25 cents. I thought that was a little high, but I went ahead and I bought it anyway. I had a quarter. Later when I got home, I looked at the book more closely, and I saw that it was a first edition. But since it wasn't very old, uh, published in 1982, I didn't think much of it uh, until I looked it up on eBay. Similar books were selling from between $400 and $800, depending on their condition. Mine was in okay condition. I sold it for $600. I looked it up uh, just yesterday, and the same sort of book is now going for $1,500. I should have kept it, maybe. But anyway... If the seller would have asked more than a a dollar or two, I probably would have said no thanks and moved on. I would have missed out on this treasure because I didn't know its true value. And I think that sometimes we miss out on the treasure of God's Word because we don't understand its true value. Speaking of God's Word, David in Psalm 19 verse 10 wrote, More to be desired are they, the Word, than gold, 
even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. We need to be like David. We need to have his understanding. We need to embrace the value of God's Word. So this morning, this message, uh, I prepared it with really one goal in mind. My goal is to help increase how we here today perceive the value of God's Word. I can't increase the value. It's huge. But I want to help us to perceive in a greater way, the value of God's Word, so that we too will desire it more than gold, or food, or TV, or social media, or anything else that takes time and energy away from knowing God through His Word. And to do that, I want us to look at some of the benefits of God's Word. I believe it's, it's when we understand what God's Word can accomplish in our lives that our understanding of, our, of its value will grow. And interestingly enough, God's Word again and again tells us just how beneficial the Word can be. It proclaims itself the benefits that, that you can receive within its pages. So this morning we're going to look at four specific benefits of God's Word, four things that God through His Word can accomplish in our lives. Now, God's Word certainly has more than four benefits. So before we get to these four that I've chosen to look at, I want to prime the pump a little bit by briefly mentioning several other benefits of God's Word. Maybe these are ones we're more familiar with. First, and really most importantly, we're not going to cover this in depth because I think maybe we get this, maybe we got it last week, uh, bringing glory to God. But most importantly, the Word reveals God. The Word reveals God to us, God Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. As I already stated, it's through the Word that God has chosen to reveal Himself to you and I, to humanity. It's through the Word of God that we come to understand who God is. And this is crucial because even though we value, we love, we rely on the Word of God, we don't worship the Word. We worship and glorify God the God that the Word reveals to us. So the Word reveals God. Also, the Word gives us hope. And I may say this, one, what, what, what I mean when I say things like that, I mean God gives us hope through His Word. His Word, God through His Word, points us beyond our sinful world to an eternal inheritance in His presence. He gives us hope. And, and the Word gives us, uh, helps us to know how to pray. In the Word, we find specific instructions on prayer. This is how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven. We find many models of prayer, many model prayers throughout the Word of God. And we can pray through scripture, scriptural passages. If you're ever at a loss uh, for what to pray, open your Bible. Maybe Psalms. Good place to start and just pray through those things. Read through them. How does that apply to my life? And pray through it. We'll talk more about that in in two weeks when we look at the fact that we value dependence on prayer. And finally, the Word gives us wisdom. Not finally, like this is the only benefits, but finally what I'm going to mention here. The Word gives us wisdom and guidance for life. We'll touch on this in the four benefits, but I, I just want to hit it really hard right here. Through the Word, we discover God's will for our lives. And through the Word, we're instructed in how to live out God's will. 
Again, Paul wrote to Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, beneficial for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Notice that it's through the Word that we're equipped uh, to, to do what? Every good work. Uh, the things of God. God's purposes for your life. And if you remember from last week, and I mentioned it as I introduced uh, the series, one of the main ways God is glorified is through our good works. So it's through the Word of God that God equips us, empowers us to bring Him glory. And that brings us to the four benefits that we'll look at today in more depth. I've chosen these four because, uh, because they're sort of overarching, they're big, and uh, maybe we don't think about them. Maybe we just think, okay, the Word teaches, reproves, corrects, and, and that's part of it. But these are sort of the big things that the Word of God does in our lives. My hope is that you can add these to uh, the values the things you know, the benefits that, God's, God, that, that the Word of God that you know about already and grow in valuing God's Word. So the first benefit that we're going to talk about today is the Word gives life. The Word gives life. Scripture teaches that the Word of God, or again, let me, let me, I want to be clear about this, God gives life through His Word. Maybe I should have wrote it that way, but I want us to understand when we talk about the Word, it's not independent from God. It's God using His Word, God revealing Himself through His Word. So Scripture teaches that the Word of God, both spoken and written, is the source of all life. Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, says this, "...take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children." that they may be careful to do all the words of the law, for it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. For the children of Israel, living by God's written word, His law that He gave through Moses was a matter of life and death. And that's true for us as well. The Word of God is not a, a toy to be played with. If you treat the Scripture as empty words, you forfeit the life that God offers. You may not immediately die physically, but you will not be living life as God intends. It's in the Scripture that you find the life that God has for you. However, if you, if you know, apply, teach the Word, you will have life. You have both physical and, spirit, and, and the spiritual abundant life that Christ promised those who trust in Him. The Bible also teaches that all life depends on God's Word. Psalm 33, 6, By the Word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their hosts. Physical life came into being because of the spoken Word of God. In the beginning, God said, and we could go back to Genesis Everything that exists, including life, is because God spoke it into existence. The power of His Word should be clear to us. It was through His Word that we were created. And it's through His Word that, that all life continues to exist. It's not a, God didn't speak everything into existence, then step back and say, okay, let's, let's see what happens. 
This is a fine experiment. Hebrews 1.3, we read, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the, by the word of His power. What's holding the physical universe together? What's holding our very being together? The word of His power. Without the word of God, there would be no universe. There would be no sun, star, moons, earth. No you, no me. So I hope we're beginning to see the power of God's Word to bring forth and sustain physical life. But even greater, our spiritual lives begin by the Word of God. James 1.18 Of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creations. And that's speaking of bringing forth. You're alive physically, but He brings you forth. He creates you as a new creature in Christ. We're brought forth. We're saved out of the world by the word of truth. Peter understood this in John 6, 68. After many people had walked away from Jesus, he had said some crazy stuff. Well, not crazy, but they perceived it to be. He asked his disciples if, if they were going to desert him as well. And Peter wisely says of Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The words of Christ, the Word of God, imparts eternal life to those who believe. Later in his first letter that we just studied, just recently, Peter makes it even clearer when he writes, Peter, Peter says of Jesus, you have the words of eternal life, and then Peter gets to be blessed by being inspired to write some of those words in his letters. Since you have been born again, Peter writes, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Now, of course, the living, abiding Word of God is referring to Jesus Christ. He is the living Word. And it's through the living, enduring Word of God, Jesus Christ, that we're born again that we're made new creatures in Christ. But it's, but it's through the written Word of God that we come to know that way to eternal life. There's a reason Jesus is called the Word and the Word is called the Word. They work together. The written Word makes it clear that we are sinners in need of a Savior. This in many ways is the, is the purpose of the entire Old Testament. The purpose of the law, to reveal our sin and to prepare the way for a promised Savior. To let you know you're, you're in need. And then when the Savior comes, you'll understand that He's come to fulfill that need. The written Word reveals to us the truth of what Jesus Christ, the living Word, did for us. It explains His nature, His birth, His life and death and resurrection for the sins of humanity. And then it clearly teaches us that, that we must have faith in Christ to receive eternal life. It's through the written Word that we, that we know the way to be reconciled to the Father through the living Word, Jesus Christ. I don't, also, we not only receive eternal life uh, by God's Word, but we go on living by God's Word. It's our food, if you will. Jesus, quoting Deuteronomy in Matthew 4, 4, says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our physical life is created and upheld by the Word of God, and our spiritual life begins and is sustained by the Word of God. So first benefit, the Word gives life. Second benefit, related to the first, the Word gives faith. 
John speaking of what uh, he was inspired to write in his gospel says, these, these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son, the, uh, Jesus Christ the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John's gospel was written, and I think it's not just John's gospel, the Bible was written, that those who read it would have the opportunities to believe, trust, put their faith in Jesus Christ. And the result would be life in His name, eternal life in His presence. The Word of God gives life because it gives faith. Paul says in Romans 10, 17, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. I believe this verse speaks of two aspects of faith. First, uh, to that initial saving faith. The faith we need to trust in the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does that come from? That faith that leads us to salvation and eternal life. That faith is, is, is I believe, given by God. But God uses the means of that gift is through His Word. Faith is established by the Word of God. It's awakened by His Word. I'm, I'm sure if I were to go around this room asking different people, uh, we would hear many different uh, verses that awakened initial faith. Maybe passages, stories in the Bible that awakened my faith that said, oh, I need to believe. For me, it was a, a buildup of passages, but, but Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, was the straw that broke the camel's back. That was the scripture that, that finally punched me in the face and awakened my faith. Matthew 12, 30, Jesus said, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. This might seem a, a bit obscure. But for me, at the time, a 13-year-old boy, it stopped me in my tracks. It made me realize that, that if I truly believed, I mean, I had professed faith before. I had, uh, well, I won't go into the whole testimony, but I had sort of been scared into the kingdom by this movie called A Thief in the Night. Some of you older people might remember that, but that was about it. I was just scared. I, wasn't gonna, I didn't want to be left behind, so if you know that. The point is, that verse, though, made me realize that if I truly believed, then I would begin to live my life for Christ. I couldn't be neutral. These words awakened uh, saving faith in me. They helped me to understand that I could not just put my faith in Jesus as my Savior, my, my ticket to heaven, my uh, way to avoid hell. Saving faith required that I, that I make Him I allow Him, I don't know the right word even, I invite Him to be the Lord of my life. That I surrender completely to Him. God's Word awakens saving faith. It reveals to us what faith is. We should remember this, church, uh, when we seek to share our faith. If we're sharing our, 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 the gospel with people in our world. Testimonies are great. Stories, analogies are good, helpful maybe. Knowing apologetics, how to answer certain questions, that can be helpful too. But when we share the gospel, it must be centered around and filled with the Word of God. 
It's the Word that works to bring faith. The Word has power to awaken saving faith, to accomplish the purposes of God. The Lord says through Isaiah in chapter 55, verse 11, So shall my Word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And in Matthew chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we read, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Isaiah says that the word has the power to accomplish what God intends. And the author of Hebrews says that the word is living and active. It's powerful stuff. It has an impact on the soul, the spirit, the body, the heart. And it's by His Word that God will succeed in opening the hearts and awakening faith in those He chooses. It's by His Word that God gives faith. But the Word also helps to sustain faith. Maybe this is where many of us are. We've had that initial, the Word has awakened our saving faith. We trust in Jesus. We've made Him our Lord, but but we're struggling, maybe. Well, the Word is meant to sustain our faith day to day. Even after we're saved by grace through faith, our faith needs strengthening. We're subject to weakness. We're subject to doubt. And where can we go when our faith is weak? Where can we turn when the struggles of life are crashing in on us? Where can we go when tragedy strikes? Where can we go to get the faith and the strength we need to get through the day? The Word of God is living and active. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. The Word of Christ, the Word of God, that's where we must turn to have our faith strengthened. We turn to God and God God reveals to us Himself through His Word. Our faith Our confidence that we are children of God is found in His Word. Our faith that God is in control, that He loves us, that He will never forsake us. We know that because of God's Word. This faith only comes through His Word. So so if you find yourself struggling with your faith, if you find yourself feeling distant from the Lord, feeling doubts about your relationship with Him, feeling that you're unable to accomplish what He's calling you to do, then turn to His Word, open your Bible, and read. I say read until, I mean, it's not going to be, you know, automatic, but commit to continue reading, continue understanding, continue studying until faith is awakened again, faith is strengthened. Allow the words of Christ, the Word of God, to build you up to restore your faith. God strengthens our faith through His Word. By putting our trust in the truth of His Word, we can, and even, we can, we can, we can thrive. We can overcome the difficulties, the suffering of this world. There are many passages uh, that give me faith the faith I need to carry on in this life and ministry. One that continues to sustain me, just as an example, 2 Corinthians 12.9, Paul writes, My grace is sufficient for you, God speaking, 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. In this verse, this part of a verse, he goes on, the rest is good as well. God is saying, God says to me, it's not about your abilities, it's not about your strengths, it's about me and the grace, the gifts I give you in your weakness to do my will. This verse gives me in my inadequacy, in my fears, the faith to continue in ministry, the faith to continue preaching the Word of God. Through His Word, God is saying to me, never doubt my ability to work in and through you to accomplish my purpose at Bridges. And God will speak to you as well. God's Word, read, heard, believed, and applied, will give you the faith to accomplish whatever He's calling you to do. So that's the second benefit of the Word. It provides both initial faith, the faith we need to trust in Christ and, and the faith we need to carry on throughout the Christian life, to live as exiles, to go back to Peter, in this sinful and suffer, suffering-filled world. And along with life and faith, the third benefit I want us to see is the word gives freedom. Psalm 119.45, we read, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. The psalmist says that, that he shall walk in a wide place. The NASB translates it this way. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. There is liberty, freedom, when we seek God's precepts, God's Word. There's freedom because the Word of God gives direction. It gives guidance. It gives boundaries for what are good and right. It teaches, it reproves, it corrects, it trains in righteousness. It gives wisdom and guidance in how to avoid the entrapments of sin. Jesus says in John eight thirty two, and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The truth comes from knowing the word both the living Word, Christ, and the written Word, the revelation of Christ. Now, the freedom truth brings, you know, is not what we often think. Oh, I'm free. I can do what I want. I can be who I want. The freedom that Jesus is talking about refers to the freedom uh, from sin. Freedom from being a slave to sin. We know this because two verses down, verse 34, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You shall know the truth and it'll set you free from being a slave to sin. We were slaves to sin, but the truth of God's word has set us free. Or to put it positively, it sets us free to live holy lives. Freedom is not the ability to do what you want, but the power to do what is right. The Spirit of God, through His inspired Word, gives us new life, gives us faith, and with those uh, come the power and the freedom to overcome sin and live holy lives. When we know the truth of God's love, His grace, His mercy, when we know the truth that we have the Spirit of God uh, dwelling in our lives, 
When we know the truth that through the Spirit, we now have the power to overcome sin and pursue holiness. All these truths we know from God's Word. And when we know them, when we trust them, when we believe them, there's freedom. Peter describes the freeing power of God's Word, His promises, like this. 2 Peter 1.4 By which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises within the Word of God, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. When we trust God's promises, we escape the corruption of this world. For example, the church in Corinth was struggling with a number of sins. Read, the, read the, Paul's letters to them. But God, through Paul, in 1 Corinthians 10.13, promises them and us, no temptation has taken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will provide for His children the way of escape. You're, you're, you're experiencing a temptation, and you can escape, and God provides that. And what is the way of escape from the temptations of this world? Well, let me ask this. When Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by Satan, how did he escape every temptation? Three times the tempter came, and three times the escape route was exactly the same. Jesus escaped temptation by trusting and quoting, by knowing, by trusting, by quoting the Word of God, by believing the Word of God, by putting it forth. Let's read the, the just the, as for example, I mean, we could do all three, but no time. Let's read the first temptation. Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, well, this is about Jesus. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Uh, no kidding. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus quotes and obeys Deuteronomy 8.3. He says, I will not fall uh, to your temptation to sustain my physical life with bread because true life comes from the Word of God. Jesus escapes. He's set free from this very real temptation and He establishes that He lives by the Word of God. Which He goes on to show as He escapes the second and the third temptations by quoting and obeying the Word of God. I'll leave those to you to read for yourself in Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus is our model. So I think our escape route is clear now, right? When we're tempted to sin, we escape, we're set free, we experience freedom from sin by quoting, at least in our minds, if not with our mouths, by quoting and obeying and trusting in the Word of God. Not by trusting in our own self-discipline, our own ability to run, but by firmly grounding ourselves in the truth of God's Word. But for us to do that, we need to know the Word of God, right? We must live not by bread alone, 
or anything else, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We have to read it. We have to study it. We have to hear it preached. We have to memorize it. We have to meditate on it. As the psalmist makes clear in Psalm 119, verse 111, a lot of verses, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the greatest uh, uh, defense against sin in your life is storing up the word of God in your heart. So the third benefit of the word is that through it, God gives us freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom to live a holy life. It arms us with the power to do what is right instead of what is wrong. Now suppose we're spending time in God's Word. Suppose we're experiencing life and faith and freedom, not to mention the other benefits of God's Word. Then I can say without a doubt... The fourth benefit will follow. The Word gives joy, or God gives joy through His Word. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read, Blessed, that word blessed means happy, joyful, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. So sin, the word says, is pleasurable for a season. And the wicked, the sinful, the scoffer will counsel us, will tempt us to find our joy in the temporal sinful pleasures of this world. That's the MO of the, our enemy, Right? But the wise and godly man turns away from this counsel and instead finds his delight, his joy, in the law of the Lord. This is also what we find in Psalm 119. If you don't know Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, all dedicated to the Word of God. And if you read it, you'll see that it's filled with emotion with joy and delight for God's Word. Just a few examples. Uh, verse 72, Psalm 119. The law, of the, lo- excuse me, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Verse 162. I rejoice in your word as one who finds great spoil. Verse 127. Therefore, I love your commands above gold. Yes, above fine gold. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. This love for and joy in the world word is also found in other places. Two unlikely places. Let me, let me show you. Job, even in his affliction, found God's word to be a joy. Job chapter 23, verse 12. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Even Jeremiah, the wailing prophet, found joy in the word. Chapter 15, verse 16 of Jeremiah. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. 
So Scripture is clear. Again and again, God's Word is better than gold or silver. It's good for food. It's good food. It's sweeter than sweet like honey. It's a, it's a treasure. It brings joy and delight. It is of infinite value. And I began this message by telling you my goal that we would value God's Word more. That the value you have, what you think about God's Word how you love it and, and value it would increase. Now, whether I've accomplished this goal or not remains to be seen. It remains to be seen in our lives. The way we value God's Word. We say we value God's Word, that we rely on it to lead us, to guide us, to correct us, to teach us. But how do we live in relationship to God through His Word? How much time and effort do we give to reading it, to studying it, to memorizing it, to hearing it preached, to meditating on it, to obeying it, to applying it? So I'm going to make an appeal to you. You know, oftentimes uh, pastors make appeals to application and uh, they come out of, okay, God said it, just do it. And that's fine. But I want to appeal to you in a different way. Not out of sense of duty. Not out of any rules that say you must read your Bible at least 20 minutes a day. I appeal to you out of a desire for you to experience the best life that you can. The best life that there is. I appeal to you out of your need for life and faith and freedom and joy. For it's in God alone that we truly find these things and so much more. And it's through God's Word that we grow in our knowledge and understanding of Him. And so I close uh, with a testimony appealing to you to, to to make more time, to make more time in your schedule for the Word of God. So I give this testimony from a great man of prayer and faith, uh, George Mueller. Have you heard of George? He's famous for establishing uh, orphanages in England and for joyfully depending on God for all his needs. He said this, in what way shall we attain to this settled happiness of soul? How, how can we be happy? How can we experience joy in our lives? How shall we learn to enjoy God? How shall we obtain such an all-sufficient, soul-satisfying portion in Him as shall enable us to let go the things of this world as vain and worthless in comparison? I answer, George says, this happiness is to be obtained through the study of the Holy Scriptures. God's Word is of infinite value. Life, faith, freedom, and joy, so much more are found in, in its pages. Let us together this morning pray that God will give us, His church here at Bridges, a longing for His Word. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank You. 
Thank you seems a very inadequate word for this amazing gift that you've given us, that you've chosen, uh, first of all, to communicate us and, and in such an amazing way through this written word. Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that we would understand the value of your word that we would value it and that we would turn to it over and over again, daily, moment by moment. We would live with a passion for your word. Or that we would seek out times to spend in it, to read it. We would seek out times to hear it preached. We would seek out uh, books about your word, scripture-saturated books to learn more of you and I just pray you would give us, uh, give us that heart, give us that passion for your word, that through it we might receive life and faith, freedom, and the joy that you intend as we grow in our relationship with you, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, so now flowing from our values, so we've covered two values, specifically the two we've covered, bringing glory to God for what He accomplished in Christ and relying on His Word to instruct us in how to bring glory to Him by remembering His death. We now, as we do the first Sunday of every month, uh, come to the Lord's table. We come to glorify God by remembering and declaring that the living, the, the, the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, what He has accomplished for us. Maybe if uh, Sean and maybe if you guys could make sure everybody has the elements. We come to remember how His body was broken and His blood was shed on the cross. We come to remember that His sacrificial death became an atonement, a payment for our sins. We come to remember the Lamb of God who takes away your sin and mine. At Bridges, participation in communion is open to all who've trusted in Jesus Christ's death for the forgiveness of their sins. All who through Christ's death have entered into relationship with God. So if by faith you've received Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to join us. First time, hundredth time here. But before we remember Christ's sacrifice together, let's take a moment in silent prayer. Use this time to prepare your heart, to confess any known sin to God, and to personally thank Him for what He's done in your life through His Son, Jesus Christ. So take a moment Bow your head in silent prayer before Him. Let's pray.